Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Busting Brackets podcast. I'm Connor Hope, here with my co-host Brian Ralph and Michael Hunter, and we are going to be talking about the ACC and the outlook for that conference for the upcoming season. Last year, Virginia finally redeemed themselves after they lost to UMBC in the prior tournament and won the national championship. Brian, Virginia, they kind of handled the ACC really well last year with the exception of Duke. How do you think they're going to be this year? I mean, I know they lose a lot in, in Kyle Guy and uh, DeAndre Hunter and some others. So what do, uh, what do you think they look like this year? Yeah, first conference preview of the year. I mean, it's college basketball's coming. I'm getting excited. They're <laughs> going to be good, but, I mean, I, I think it's um, – if you think they're going to kind of stay at that same level, I think anybody who thinks that is, is sadly mistaken – it's going to be like the Virginia team three years ago when the team when Ty Jerome were freshman, uh, Kyle Guy was a freshman as well. They just lost too much, and they're going to have to reload. I like the freshman class they have coming in. I think Casey Morsell is going to be a really, really good player for them. Um, and they'll be fine. They'll finish you know, top third in the ACC, no problem. Make the NCAA tournament, no problem. Uh, even make the Sweet 16. But I don't see the leftovers for them anybody being able to necessarily carry them and make up for what they lost in Hunter and Guy and Jerome specifically. I don't think Diakite is going to be a good player. I think he's going to improve, but I don't think he's going to become a star. I've seen some people think uh, that Kiki Clark is going to be a star. I, I don't just see that in his skill set either. I think a lot of that production is going to have to come from the freshmen, and I think it'll take some time for them to kind of get up to speed with that, Michael. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I I think when I'm looking at this Virginia team, this team reminds me of the 2016-17 team. Um, just like you said, when those when these guys were all freshmen. The difference is I think people think that Kihei Clark is going to be London Parentis-esque, and I, I don't see that with him. Um, when you look at his efficiency numbers, when you look at some of his other stuff from last year, he just doesn't – he doesn't project as the same kind of player for me. I think Diakite needs to be very good for them. I think uh, Morcel needs to be very good for them. And in the past, freshmen haven't performed really well for Tony Bennett. I mean, Kyle Guy was good, but it took him a while. Justin Anderson was good, but it took him a while. Even Malcolm Brogdon wasn't a great player under Bennett as a freshman. So to expect Morcel to come in and give you – 11 to 14 points a game, I think, is a, is a pretty tall order. I, I want to see uh, Tomas, uh, the Juco play. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I'll butcher it. But he's he's a shooter. I mean, he shot over 200 threes last year in Juco and made nearly 50% of them. So he is a guy who maybe can step into that Kyle Guy role. But I, I need to see it, as we know. You know, Going from Juco to the ACC is a huge step. Um, I do like Kafaro, but he's coming off a leg injury. I, I do like Braxton Key, but he's he's not an a, uh, ACC level scorer. I think he's a good defender, a good rebounder. He showed that late in the season in the tournament last year. But somebody needs to step up and, and prove they can score the ball, other than Diakite, who I think is going to be a double double guy. But I mean, at, at twelve and eight, you know, thirteen and eight, which is kind of what I'm expecting from him this year. You know, somebody else or two somebody else's are going to have to step up and, and provide some some production for this team. I like that you mentioned Key because I think Key can be something of an X factor 
for them, and I think he was down the stretch last year once he kind of found his footing. Mm-hmm. But freshman year at Alabama, he was a, a really, really good player and somebody that seemed like they were going to be able to rely on. I took a back seat that year when Colin Sexton was there, transferred to Virginia. Took I, I think you know played a role. If he can get back to kind of the the way he was playing that freshman year at Alabama, I think he can become at least something resembling that person for Virginia. I think he's going to have to rely on Morsell. I want to see what Jay Huff can do offensively because he yeah. showed uh, some flashes and spurts last year. I think he's somebody who can contribute in a bigger way as opposed to somebody like Clark, who I just don't see that in his skill set. I'm also interested to see this backcourt defensively too because I mm-hmm. think you're because of Morsell's offense and Clark's experience, you're going to have to start both of them in the backcourt. And they're both really good defenders, but Clark's five nine on a on a good day, and Morsell's like six two. I I think that that despite they're just being good defenders from a skill set standpoint, the si- the lack of size there may give them some limitations, and um, we may not see Virginia be as good on that end of the court because of that. Yeah, I agree. I think, and one thing that I really that I really believe in is that freshmen don't play defense at a collegiate level early on in the season, let alone at Tony Bennett level. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even recently Isaiah Wilkins said his senior year that he didn't understand the pack line defense until his senior year, you know, completely. So that says something for the ACC defensive player of the year, Um, you know, to expect more sell to come in and play at a high level defensively from, from the game one is, is another tall order. It'll be interesting. There'll be some growing pains for Virginia for sure. Yeah, they'll be fine, but I, I think if you're a Virginia fan, you're kind of looking to build towards the 2020-21 season and use this as just sort of a, a, a solid year, but you're not going to do anything um, special, kind of like last year. But I think given last what, what they accomplished last year, I don't think any Virginia fan's going to have a problem with that. No, no, they're, they're good for a couple of years. And I think, you know, I think they dance, but uh, again, I think it's more like the 2016-17 team, you know, maybe a first weekend team, something like that. Yeah. And that leaves an opening at the top of the conference, Connor. Um, a lot of people see Louisville sliding up there, given the fact that they got uh, most of the roster back, including, which was big for them, Jordan Wara, top freshman class coming in. Uh, Duke and UNC also going to be up there as well. Of those three, who do you like to, to take the conference? For me, I, I, I like Louisville. I really like Louisville. I think that their their early game against Kentucky is going to be a real benchmark for them, and it's going to show us what how good they really are. Um, if they can compete with Kentucky and, and, and beat Kentucky, I think that they'd probably be my pick. Um, I think right now, in terms of regular season, you still kind of have to go with Duke, uh, at least for me. Um just based on the amount of talent that they have. Uh, but I think that Louisville is, is set up with that experience to, to make a deep run in the ACC tournament, possibly take that, as well as in the NCAA tournament. Um, it's going to be somewhat of, of a situation where I think Duke probably has the talent to, to win a lot of those games during the regular season, but I think that the experience of Louisville is probably going to help them later on. Michael, I think no one would argue that this Duke team is more talented than last year's team, but the pieces may fit together a little bit better than they did last year. What do you think about that? I honestly, Duke is uh, a big question mark for me right now. Um, I don't know. I I know that Vernon Carey is going to be just 
an absolute an absolute brute in in this in this upcoming season. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of Cassius Stanley. Um, I know that he is a tough shot maker, um, meaning his athleticism just he's able to hang in the air. He's able to follow away. He's able to to score the ball. Uh, Matthew Hurt, I think, is obviously going to score. Wendell Moore is a guy that's really intriguing to me. I think as far as there's no, it might be deeper maybe than last year's team, but I'm obviously, like you said, they're not as talented. I think a lot of it comes down to whether or not Trey Jones can shoot the ball this year. I mean, he has to be able to stretch the floor for, for carry to have room on the block or else they're just going to double him all day long. You know, I, Matthew hurt is, is going to be very good, but I'm not really sure if he's going to play on the wing predominantly. If he's not going to play on the block, I don't think Wendell Moore is going to play outside. Cassie Stanley's going to play outside. So you're seeing a, Kind of a four-round one offense, I think, is what's going to emerge here. Uh, where does Joey Baker fit in? It's Duke is a very interesting team this year. They have the talent to be, you know, one of the top five teams in the country, and they'll probably open up the season that way. But I, I have a lot of question marks. You know, Alex O'Connell can't guard a folding chair, and you know he's one of the most athletic guys in the conference. So we'll see what his junior year yields. But a lot of talent, a lot of depth. I think this is a team that. Coach K is going to have to coach more this season than he has maybe the last two or three years. Yeah, I I think one thing that may help Alex O'Connell this year is the fact that the, the two guys ahead of him on the wing you mentioned in Stanley and Moore are excellent defenders. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a strength for them. I like the fact that Hurt gives them a knockdown shooter who can do other things. Of course, Trey Jones, Connor, is someone that, that Duke would love to have do that as well. And he had a very up and down a freshman year. I think a lot of people were surprised he came back as a sophomore. He's somebody, though, do you see him having the same kind of role, or could he maybe take that next step forward offensively without R.J. Barrett and Zot Williams there and become uh, something of a go-to scorer for Duke? For me, I think it comes down to how much offense they can get out of their freshmen. Um, I mean, last year, all Trey Jones really needed to do was play defense well and and become an adequate role player on offense. And he did that relatively well. He wasn't a great scorer by any means. Um, but I think that with kind of their lack of experience depth, um, they, they're going to need him to step into whatever role is needed. I think right now they probably don't even expect him to need to be a go-to scorer. Um, you've, you've got some other good scores uh, in that freshman class but I want to see some more leadership out of him uh, the ability to kind of take the ball up the floor and really set up the offense um, where last year it, they kind of the ball went to Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett and kind of stopped with them and, and they'd kick it out I, I think that Trey Jones needs to show a little bit of what his brother was which is which is helping to, to facilitate that offense a little bit more um, I, I'm also interested to see uh, where Delorier uh, fits into this equation because um, yeah. in 16 minutes per game last year he played relatively well um, behind some of those bigs for for Duke. But you know, does he get more minutes um, if if Hurt's not playing in, on the block? I think yes. But but if Hurt does move down into that four or five position a, a lot more, then he could be the odd man out again. I think the question for Deloria is if he can stay out of foul trouble. I feel like yeah. last year, every time he was in, it was two fouls in two minutes, and he's on the bench. Yeah, yep. And this team, this team is is strange in another way. Is that usually Duke is only 
a legit seven guys deep. I mean, if you want to count Jack White and Jordan Goldwire, this team has ten guys that can that can play and that have played for this program before. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Coach K goes with a short bench again this season, or if he uh, dives in a little bit as this is kind of more of a well-rounded roster. Yeah, I, I, that makes them different than years past. I think UNC is also looking a little bit different than years past, yep. and I have they're a team that I have some concerns about. We know Cole Anthony is going to come in and, and be a star for them at point. Um, Armando Baycott in the middle is probably going to be a really good player for them as well. Outside of that, though, I have a lot of questions about this team, Michael. Yeah, I you know I I really like. Uh, Leaky Black, obviously his health is a concern at this point, but, you know, he's a guy that can play three positions. Um, he's, you know, fantastically efficient, I guess would be an understatement, but it's a very small sample size from last season. Brandon Robinson is a kid that shows flashes, who was very highly regarded coming out of high school. you got the two grad transfers and Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling, which they can score at the lower level, you know, William and Mary and Charleston Southern, but you're not at William and Mary and Charleston Southern anymore, so can you keep that up? Um, I'm a huge Garrison Brooks guy. I think he's going to have a great year, if not statistically, but impactfully. I think with with Brooks and Baycott back um, in, in this front court, you're going to see Roy Williams go back to that two-big lineup that he likes to go to, whereas last year sometimes we were playing five out of four round one. He's going to play these two bigs together again, and they're going to get back to what they like to do that has won him three championships. Um, you know, Anthony, I think, is going to have the ability to call his own number a lot when you look at this roster. And he's going to have himself a season that, you know, puts him in the ACC Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, National Player of the Year. He's going to be in all those conversations. He's going to put up huge numbers. To me, they, they go as far as he goes because he's yeah. the only real, I think, difference maker I see on that team, Connor. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and and like Michael said, I think Garrison Brooks is is set for a big year. Um, obviously, his concerns are similar to what we discussed about Delorier, which is just the, the personal fouls. Um, he averaged five fouls per forty minutes last season and the season before. But he's he's a guy who can give you a solid fifty five percent from the floor, a solid nine to ten uh, rebounds per forty minutes. And so when he's on the on the court, he's a, a solid player. I mean, he's not gonna be a difference maker for you but he's going to give you exactly what you need from him um it, it's just a matter of whether he stays on the on the on the floor but i i do think that cole anthony you know how well he plays is going to determine how well unc plays okay so we all like louisville we have some <laughs> questions about duke have some questions about unc have some questions about virginia michael who does that there's going to be an opportunity for somebody to make a, a big leap up these standings and have kind of a big year. Who are some sleeper teams you see having a better year than a lot of people expect in the ACC? <laughs> well, there's one team in particular that I'm higher on than really anybody else in the country, and that's Notre Dame. Um, I think after you get outside the top three, which for me would be Louisville, Duke, and UNC, I think the next two teams, even before Virginia, for me, is Notre Dame and NC State. I like both teams. Uh, to get into Notre Dame real quick, you know, they get Fluger back for year five. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, hopefully he's he's ready to go mentally. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I believe his mother was suffering from a very serious medical, con- medical condition last year that may have been a bit of a distraction for him. Um, I don't think there's any way that Prentice Hub plays as poorly as he did last year. Um, Temple Gibbs, I'd like to see him get back to his sophomore season uh, kind of form as far as shooting the ball. This team's very deep, very talented, 
they just couldn't make open shots last year, which was incredible because when you have guys like Gibbs, Dane Goodwin, Nate Lashevsky, John Mooney, these guys have a reputation as being knockdown guys. And last year it just wasn't there for them. I think people have forgotten how good of a coach Mike Bray is because two years ago, you know, Matt Farrell, Bonzi Colson, those guys suffered injury and they suffered last year. They had the injury to Fluger. Elijah Burns transferred in the middle of the season. You know, the freshmen struggled more than we thought they were going to. But I think this year they're really, they're really amped for a, a big, a, basically a comeback tour, I guess, and maybe a little bit of redemption. And as far as NC State goes, as far as guards and wing players, when you're looking at Markel Johnson, Braxton Beverly, C.J. Bryce, Devin Daniels, um, the freshman Darian Sebrin, uh, Jericho Helms is probably going to help him out more in the front court. Um, Pat Andre is is a stretch four kind of player. I think Markel Johnson is one of the best point guards in the entire country. I think a lot of people are overlooking NC State. I think they're going to have a big year as well. I agree. I, and I think it sets the, the down year a lot of the teams in the conference are going to have, uh, and we'll touch on those in a bit, opens the door for a team like NC State who is experienced, plays a different style than a lot of other people, and, and knows how to play that system well going into year three of the, of the Kevin Keats era now and having a difference maker like Markel Johnson, I think makes all the difference in the world. I don't know if I'm ready to, to go on a limb and say they're going to make a long NCAA tournament run, but we could see them have a very successful season and build off of what a lot of people thought was a disappointment last year when they missed the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I think a lot of that, and it's similar to the issues that, that we talked about with some of these other teams when you get into the front court situation, you look and they have basically one guy that is an ACC level talented player in Derek Funderburk. And what is he known for? He's known for getting in foul trouble, just like some of these other guys that we've spoke of. When I was actually, um, when I was going through some, uh, some stats the other day, there was 56 players in the ACC that scored 300 or more points last season. 33 of those guys aren't going to be back this year. So, I think this league is wide open. I think it's kind of a down year as far as maybe teams that go into the tournament. And I think that favors teams with, with really talented point guards like NC State, Louisville, Duke, you know, UNC. All, all these teams have really good point guards. Those are the teams that I look to come out on top of this season. Yeah, and it's going to be, you know, Clemson's losing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think anyone really expects much from them. Virginia Tech's in the same boat after Buzz Williams left. Uh, Syracuse, Connor, I think is interesting because they're a team, too, that lost their big three from last year, uh, past couple of years, a team that never really lived up to expectations, and now they're having to replace their three best players. It could turn into a interesting season there uh, at Syracuse for Jim Beheim if they don't get things going early, I think. Yeah, I mean – for as, for as good as he is and as as pleasantly surprised as I've been, um, you know, last year with Buddy, Buddy Beheim, if Buddy Beheim's your second best player, you're you're, you're going to be in, in some trouble in the ACC. Um, <laughs> you know, Elijah Hughes is really the only reliable player that they have returning. Um, but but losing battle, uh, Brissett and Howard is just, I mean, it's, it's going to hurt them, especially on the offensive end of the floor. And, um, you know, at some point you've got to ask, when is Beheim just going to hang him up? Because, you know, he's he's constantly on the bubble, and so he's constantly kind of keeping himself in a job. 
but I don't think I've been impressed with the Syracuse team in in a couple of years now. No, I, I think mentally Bayheim has been sort of coasting again for as good as a career as he's had. He has been sort of coasting the past couple of years and seems like he's waiting, wanted to coach Buddy through his years, yep. and then I think he was going to be done after that. But I think mentally, in terms of doing all the things that need to be done on a day-to-day basis from a recruiting standpoint, from a game planning standpoint, to keep a team at the top of a conference like the ACC, I don't think he's necessarily been willing to invest that kind of time in it anymore. And that's understandable given his age and tenure uh, and everything that um, he's accomplished. But I think we've seen that play out on the court for them. I I agree with everything you guys say. And and one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is, you know, we talked about Howard Battle, Brissett. The other loss that they had was Pasquale Chuck Wu, who anchored that middle. And now if you look at this roster – they don't really have that big-time shot block and center that they usually have to anchor that zone. I mean, Sidibe is good, but he's had health issues his entire career. Um, Jesse Edwards is a guy who I think has potential as a four-year player. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of, of uh, John and Jack, but right now very thin at the center position. Um, I, I think I'm looking at a guy like Robert Braswell as maybe a person that can step up. He's He's the, uh, you know, he's a layup line superstar. Let's see if he can translate that into the court. Uh, Merrick Dolaja isn't a guy that has impressed me, even though I was I was big on him when he was coming into the league. Just hasn't seemed to round out into a player that's been effective in the ACC. But I think they have scores in the backcourt. Jalen Carey needs to get it together. Joe Girard's breaking all the Jimmer re- uh, records in high school. Elijah Hughes can score. I like Quincy Garrier. But this team has major flaws in the front court. So if they're going to struggle, Clemson's going to struggle, Virginia Tech's going to struggle, teams that were near the top of the conference last year, mm-hmm. or at least in the top half fighting for an NCAA tournament bid, there's going to be opportunity for teams, Michael, like you talked about, Notre Dame to make a big leap up. Could we see any of the teams that have been sort of at the bottom traditionally in years past, like a Pitt, um, like a Georgia Tech, maybe even a Boston College <laughs> Probably not, uh, yeah. but any teams like that make a big leap up the standings, and if they put up a good enough record in the ACC, put themselves on that NCAA tournament bubble. Yeah, um, it, it's it, it's a slippery slope. I think I don't want to get too crazy. I think Notre Dame at five for me in the preseason is crazy enough. Um, you know, I got Virginia at six, and a lot of people like FSU. FSU is a team that people are kind of on the bubble about. There's some trust with Leonard Hamilton and his coaching acumen i mean he's great for florida state but sometimes just makes silly mistakes i think um i have them at seven i i want to like georgia tech obviously i'm a g tech fan that's that's obvious um we found out recently that um jordan usher will not be pursuing a waiver um to get eligible for first semester this year so he won't be on the court for them until december which is an interesting uh, i guess turn of events and right now, the way that the uh, NCAA is is playing uh, playing their cards, I'm not sure Bubba Parham's going to be on the court for them this year either. Who is a, 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 a sit one play two transfer from VMI, who averaged over 20 points a game for them last season. So Georgia Tech's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Mike DeVoe develops. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jose Alvarado can stay healthy. I think you know what you're going to get out of James Banks. Probably 10, 11 points, eight and a half rebounds you know, two or three blocks a game. That's that's going to be their big three. 
the development of Khalid Moore, the development of Christian Sholand, those are going to be integral parts of how they're they're this how well they are this year. The other team that I really like is Miami. Um, I'm a big Chris Likes guy. Oh yeah. Um, I think that they have one of the most underrated freshmen in the ACC, and Isaiah Wong, who's a player that I really like. He's a kind of a slithery guard that is. He's really slender. He's really small, but he can get places. He can put up the hard shot, and he can make difficult shots. Uh, DJ Vasilovich, probably one of the best shooters in the in the conference. They get Cam Magusty, who is a transfer from Oklahoma. He'll be eligible this year. They uh, they won't have Nasir Brooks, uh, who's a transfer from Cincinnati, but they do have some front court depth this year, which is what they were lacking last year. Rodney Miller's coming off his redshirt year. Keith Stone, who's a transfer from Florida. Sam Wardenberg played pretty well last year who's kind of a stretchy five and hopefully Dengak can uh, can stay healthy but Miami to me is a really interesting team I have them at nine but right now I'm not ready to say that Georgia Tech Miami Syracuse who is kind of who I have in that tier are going to be in the tournament I have right now I have the ACC as a seven a seven bid league right now I just I don't trust any of these other teams to to quite get there yet yeah, let's kind of go down that because I, I think we can look at the Louisville, Duke, UNC, NC State, Virginia as sort of a consensus five teams that are going to get in. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know you like Notre Dame, Michael, but I, I think they got to prove themselves. Florida mm-hmm. State is another team that probably should be in, um, you know, but maybe in that 9 10 uh, range, depending on, on how things go with them. Uh, and then you're kind of hoping that for the ACC perspective, Connor, that that seventh team kind of emerges, but the the depth of this conference isn't where it, it normally has been, I think. No, definitely not. And I think that uh, for most of these teams towards the bottom, uh, especially a lot of their, their strength and their ceiling comes from the proverbial improvements that freshmen and sophomores make as they, they move year to year. Um, Specifically with Pitt uh, and how well uh, Xavier Johnson and, and Trey McGowan's can can kind of perform in their second season, um, but yeah, I mean, other than the ones you named, and I, I too kind of like Notre Dame to make the tournament. There's there's not a ton that makes me happy about the bottom of this conference. No, it's going to be interesting to watch from a hot seat standpoint, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even Brad Brownell at Clemson was kind of on the hot seat until he made that Sweet 16 run a couple of years ago, and now he's finding himself back in that position. Danny Manning, I'm pretty sure, only kept his job at Wake Forest because they gave him that extension. Um, Boston College will be looking for a new coach soon. Um, I think there are a lot of teams here, at, at the bottom at least, that have coaches that are going to be coaching for their job this year, Michael, and I don't know – um, of those, if anybody can necessarily keep that job, yeah, I Josh Pastor is going to keep his job. But that I, I can, I'm 100 positive on that. If the way his contract is structured, after year five, if they don't want to keep him, they basically get out scot free, and it's good. So this year, it's what's going to be interesting is if they make the NIT, if they're on the bubble, is he going to get an extension? Will they reset the buyout? Will they reset his numbers? That'll be the interesting take when it comes to Georgia Tech. I know G-Tech fans don't want to hear it, um, but that's that's the reality of that situation. I agree Boston College is going to be looking for a new coach. I, I just don't think Christian gets him there this year, and I think he's he's had time enough to get him where they need to be better than they are. 
I, I don't know who they're going to attract to that job when he leaves, but you know, hey, that that's why they get paid the big bucks. Um, fun fact, I, I think Brownell is safe with that new extension. I think they give him a year. As long as he doesn't rock the boat for the football team, they're happy. Danny Manning, whose buyout after last season was $18 million. If it, if, even if it goes down by a couple million, you're still on the hook for 14 or 15, you know, at, at the, at the very bottom. And I think it probably doesn't drop that far. You know, you're going to need a big donor to step up who loves Wake Forest in order to get Wake Forest out of that contract. And, I don't know if that happens. Chris Paul just donated like $3 million to the athletic department for, for some facility upgrades. So you can't really tap him again. You know, VPI is they they've got their coach, Mike Young's killing it. They'll be back sooner rather than later. So, you know, I think Pitt's happy with their guys. When you look at, you know, Duke's got a coach that's 70 UNC's got a coach that's 70, you know, Mike Bray said that he's only going to live out his current contract, which I believe runs through 2025. Leonard Hamilton is is damn near 70. Tony Bennett's probably going to go to the league in the next few years. There's going to be huge coaching turnover in this league in the next four or five years, I think. I want to get into replacements for some of those coaches, but potential names that those schools could look at. But it, the Tony Bennett thing you said struck me, Michael, because I don't know if his st- if NBA teams view his style as something that would work in a, a NBA game that's generally – faster pace and more wide mm-hmm. open i feel like his his style is perfect to thrive in a college game and i don't know how that would translate yeah well it's just it's a it's a rumor that an acc country which you're down here you're you know you're actually just you're actually pretty close by you hear it from you know on the david glenn show you hear it all over the place that eventually tony bennett's going to go to the league which i agree his style doesn't quite fit but then again does john beeline style fit you know i you know, well, they drafted three point guards, so probably yeah. not. <laughs> so, you know, I, p- people in the NBA know more about basketball than I do. I'm not going to pretend, but if they want Tony Bennett to go to the league and Tony Bennett needs a new challenge, then Tony Bennett's probably going to go. Um, as far as replacements, the only thing I've really thought about is I think it's an obvious choice for Wes Miller at UNC Greensboro to take the Wake Forest job. I think that yeah. is ultimately who they want, and that's probably going to be their first pick. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Indiana fans, which I think is absolutely insane, if they actually get their way and they have a bad season again and Archie Miller's run out of town, if somebody in the ACC cuts bait and then jumps after him because he'll be a hot name to return to ACC country. Um, for my guys, for G-Tech, I love Earl Grant at College of Charleston. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like Nathan Davis at Bucknell. Um, even Mike uh, Mike Schrage, who is at Elon right now, is is a guy who I think is an up and comer. He's not quite there yet, but he's a name to keep an eye on. Um, right now, those are kind of the, the the programs. Those are the guys that I would be looking for at those programs. I would be interested to see where Duke goes, mm-hmm. uh, Connor. I mean, Jeff Capel was on staff there essentially as a lead recruiter and to be Coach K's replacement. Took the pit job because he wanted an ACC job. I'm sure he'd still be in play for the Duke job of coach K whenever he decides to, to retire, whether, you know, how soon or far away that is, whether he'd leave Pitt for that. It, it seems kind of obvious that Duke's going to go out of their way to hire a Duke guy. And they, they certainly have plenty of options from Johnny Dawkins. Bobby Hurley's making his name now. Who do you think that, that Duke may target or who would they be smart to look at Connor? Uh, no. <laughs> 
like you said, there's a lot of names out there. The one name out there that I think would be particularly interesting, specifically if he can survive and continue to thrive at the top of the Big East over the next couple of years, would be Wojo. Um, uh, Steve Wojciechowski. I, I just think that he's been... Since he got to Marquette, he's kind of built up that program to compete at the top of the, the Big East. Uh, but as you know, the Big East is, is not the ACC. And um, so you have, you have to consider that. I mean, after uh, Capel left, I, it, it becomes difficult because there are so many coaches out there that were Duke guys that are kind of coaching at a... I don't want to say subpar, but but a non-Duke expectation level. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I want to say Wojo just because he's had probably the most success, but I don't know. I, I think it says something about the ACC this year that we've spent the past five or ten minutes talking about future coaches than the actual on-court products themselves. It's it's pretty clear. I think the AC is going to take a step back this year. Um, Michael, do you see? We've discussed the teams at the top. How many do you think have a realistic chance to make the Final Four? Ooh, uh, two. Um, Duke and Louisville, I think, would be the only two that I would really trust if i you know if i was going to make you know preseason selections like what we're doing right here or if i had to do a futures bet or anything like that those would be the only two teams in the league that that i would put any money on i've got to see unc get some production from somebody other than cole anthony um as much as i like garrison brooks i don't think he's going to put up huge numbers offensively um yeah they've got to get something on the wing before i before i get there with them nc state i gotta see if jericho helams can can play in the front court with thunderberg um virginia i'm I'm not there i I just i don't see myself getting there for a while i gotta see a lot fsu no notre dame is is, as high as i am on them no way so it's it would be louisville and duke and even the duke pick scares me because aside from matthew hurt i don't see a whole lot of knockdown shooters on that team Mm -hmm. and and you know per the the coach k strategy for the last 15 years they need to be able to shoot the three so you know, right now, Louisville is the team I'm most comfortable with. I think they're a Nationals title contender. But uh, if I had to go another team, I would say Duke would be the most likely to make the Final Four. Connor, anybody you would add to that group? Because I think I'm, I'm in the same boat uh, with a heavy, heavy lean towards Louisville over Duke if one of them were to make it. Yeah, I was going to say one. I, I was going to say Louisville. And nothing against Duke. I just don't think that the, the way the team is built, they're built to make a Final Four run. Uh, they'd probably be my second team. And if I had to go with third team, I'd go NC State over UNC just because I, I trust NC State to be able to find people to contribute uh, more than UNC relying almost exclusively on how well Cole Anthony can play uh, late in the season. So I'd probably say if I were to make a bet right now, the only one that I would actually be willing to put money down on would be Louisville. Well, let's dive deeper than Louisville then here because I think we've – whether or not there are our pick to win the ACC, there are pick – consensus pick to, to make the longest run in the NSA tournament. They're a team that still has questions from incorporating a, a talented freshman class into a group of returners who were pretty set in their roles last year. It's also a group that kind of melted down down the stretch last year after they that Duke comeback where they gave up a 20-plus point lead at home. Um, what has to go right for them, Michael? And 
I guess, if things were to go wrong, where would you see them going wrong? Well, what, what has to go right is Jordan Warren needs to stay at the level that he was last season. Um, after that, that Duke meltdown, um, basically everybody else on the team went kind of in the tank, maybe except for Dwayne Sutton. And and Moore was kind of left on an island by himself out there. I think Christian Cunningham's his confidence was completely shot after that game. He just wasn't the same player. Um, VJ King was kind of a placeholder. He's no longer there, so that's I think that's great. What needs to happen first and foremost is Fresh Kimball needs to stay healthy, which is something that he hasn't really done um, in in recent years when he was at St. Joe's. This injury with David Johnson, who's a, a very high level uh, freshman coming in. I'm not sure he's going to be 100% by the time the season starts. He's probably going to miss some time. I am not a Darius Perry guy. So making sure that Kimball can stay healthy and log heavy minutes is is something that's that's absolutely paramount for these guys. Um, you got to get the – other than that, I mean, you've got depth everywhere. Um, Malik Williams is a guy that I am absolutely huge on. Stephen Enoch came back after kind of testing the waters. He's a great big and then you've got Aiden Ijihan, who is, I guess, your third big at this at this point. And he's, you know, he's a top 50 guy. He's just jacked. He's going to be, at the very least, a, a tremendous rebounder for them. Dwayne Sutton, Ryan McMahon. And then their starting two is probably going to be Samuel Williamson, who is their best recruit in this class. He's an excellent shooter. He's got one of the nicest-looking jump shots I've ever seen. Nickelberry is underrated. And then you got Jalen Withers at the three. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded, I think, the biggest thing for them is health at the point guard position. And other than that, you just let them roll. You know they're going to be able to play defense or at least be tough on that end of the court under Chris Mack. You know Nora's going to stay uh, at least as a, as a scoring threat every time down the court. I think the biggest key for them, along with point guard health, is finding consistent secondary scorers. Because mm-hmm. last year, they obviously didn't have this, this depth of talent. But outside of Nora it was sort of a crapshoot on a nightly basis who that second and third guy were going to be. And if they'd get that second or third guy, when they did, they were able to, to, to beat some good teams. And when they didn't, um, you know, that was kind of where those, I think, 14 losses they had showed up is when they you know, didn't really get much help. I think Williamson uh, obviously is in line to kind of be that number two guy, number mm-hmm. one guy on, on certain nights. I think Enoch could take a step forward offensively if he's used the right way and be there as well. But for me, Connor, that's the thing for them is finding uh, consistent secondary options. Um, Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that I was going to echo what Michael said, which is my biggest concern for them is whether or not they can get the consistency, whether it be health or uh, efficiency at the point guard position um, behind Kimball. And I think that... I I probably like Darius Perry a little bit more than Michael does, but not not by much. So um, that that's probably the biggest concern I have for them. Uh, and and obviously with all these teams, you have a concern that the recruiting level, rankings and the recruiting level and, and how well they played in high school doesn't translate quite well enough into the ACC. So. Um, it's going to be probably a little bit of growing pains at the beginning for this team, but but I think that unlike last year, where they kind of took a nosedive after a tough loss, um, now that Nora's been through that and, and, and the other guys on the team have been through that, I think that tough losses are going to come a little bit easier, uh, and you're not going to see the same kind of face plant that they had last year. 
I think this year is a big test for Chris Mack too. Um, I kind of touched on a little bit, but I think the task of having to kind of merge a good returning core with a deep, talented, incoming freshman class is something that's one of the tougher things to do in the sport and then have everything kind of go smoothly and meet expectations. And it's something that he hasn't had to deal with before. So I think um, I kind of agree with Connor that there's going to be some some struggles early on as to try to figure that out. But I think that's something uh, just kind of under the radar chemistry issue, I, I guess, that, that could sync things. I think we saw that with UNC last year when they had – the returning group and they were trying to incorporate Nasir Little and mm-hmm. Kobe White, things never really looked right for them. I wonder no, if, Louisville, yeah. if Louisville goes through it the, the same kind of deal. I, I think you I think you're on the right track there. The the only thing I would point to with this team as compared to UNC is, you know, Lamar Fresh Kimball's a senior, Ryan McMahon's a senior, Dwayne Sutton's a senior, Moore's a junior, Enoch's a senior, Williams is a junior. This team is is very seasoned and you would hope that their maturity level at this point in their careers would, would help smooth some of those, that transition over a little bit. So, you know, these, the freshmen are very talented, but (laughs) the seniors and juniors are no slouches. So it'll, I agree that it'll be interesting, but I think that they have um, the experience to hopefully make that transition go a little bit smoothly. Yeah. And if you ask any coach, they'd always say they'll take the talent and they'll worry about that stuff later. Um, And and Louisville certainly, doesn't lack talent this year that's for sure so with that i I think it'd be kind of fun to to kind of jump into where we think certain individual awards or uh are gonna be um we can start off with who we think uh are the three i guess leaders for the acc player of the year michael who do you think do you think it's all freshmen with nora or do you think that there's another uh, experienced player returning player that can come in and, and potentially compete uh, for, we want three. That's what we want to do. Top three. Yeah, top three. I think for me, obviously, Wara would be my, my number one guy. Um, and probably the easiest guy. I think the second guy is fairly easy as well in Cole Anthony. I think he's going to put up numbers for that team that are going to make it difficult for you to keep him out of that conversation. And I guess for the third guy, I'm going to go Trey Jones you know whether whether or not his shooting is is porous this year or or what he actually puts out there for numbers he's still gonna he's gonna probably lead the league in assists he's probably gonna be in the top five in steals he's gonna be a guy that sets the tone for one of the most talented teams in the country so you know unless Matthew Hurt maybe puts up huge numbers and, and puts himself in ACC player of the year conversation it's gonna be somebody from Duke and I think that's that obviously is Trey Jones my concern with, with Trey Jones and Jordan War and something like this is the fact that there are going to be so many good players on those teams yep. that you, you're going to get some split votes. Mm-hmm. So I, I like Cole Anthony as, as the top guy just because he is going to be the guy on a team that's going to be really good and it's everything's going to go through him. I think he kind of has that, oppor- that perfect mix of opportunity and team success uh, and production that's going to happen as the number one guy you got to have Noir up there just because if Louisville makes that leap, he's going to be one of the reasons why and get a lot of the credit for it too. Um, but at number three, I think I would put Markel Johnson at number three as opposed to anybody from Duke just because I think Duke's going to be more balanced mm-hmm. than they have been. I think you could see a lot of guys average between you know 10 and 15 points per game and 
not have that one standout guy, whereas if NC State makes that run up like we all kind of expect them to, Johnson's going to get a lot of publicity for that as well. So I would go Anthony 1, Nora 2, and, and Markel Johnson 3. Yeah, I like that pick. Yeah. yeah. All right, and, and finally, if you had to pick one player that uh, takes the biggest leap forward this year, so returning player taking the biggest leap forward, uh, what, what players should fans be looking at to, to make that next big step? For for me, I, I actually uh, I put out a list every year on ACCBR called the Breakout Eight, and my number one guy this year was it could be considered a cop out. Uh, it's Diakite for me. He's going to go from the fourth leading scorer on that team to the number one guy. Um, if you want, you know, last year he's got seven and four a game with a couple blocks. This year I'd probably say twelve to thirteen and probably eight and a half with two and a half blocks a game is going to be kind of where he's at. If you want to dive a little bit deeper than Diakite, who's an obvious choice, I, I'm still a believer in MJ Walker from Florida State. Um, five-star kid, top 40 kid, you know, 6'5", plays on the wing. He's got a really nice-looking jumper. He's he's athletic as heck when he when he really wants to be. I, I'm not ready to say that he's a bust because I think he's one of the most talented kids in the entire conference. He just hasn't put it all together yet. I, I You know, we talked about Leonard Hamilton and some of the questions I have with him earlier in the show this is the biggest question is he brings the talent to Tallahassee but it very rarely develops any further than it did when it arrived in town and and MJ Walker is a very talented kid I'm not ready to give up on him I think he could have a big year he's got the talent to do so Diakite is the obvious pick just from the increase in um, usage that he's going to have I think he's the obvious pick. I think Chris Likes could be somebody to watch at Miami. The fact that he's going to actually have good players around him this year or a much better supporting cast is going to take some of the pressure off and less of a focus from imposing defenses on him, which could open things up. Um, but I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson at Pitt. I think as a freshman, he, he was really, really good, um, but had a lot of freshman mistakes. Pitt just didn't have necessarily they, – they weren't quite there yet. I think they're a team that could take advantage of the the downturn from kind of the middle to the to the back end of the ACC. They're a team that could surge up. But if he just gets a little bit more efficient, he doesn't necessarily have to increase his usage that much. If he just becomes more efficient, we could see him average 26, 20, and 7. And he does that. I think he puts himself in the ACC Player of the Year conversation at the very least. Uh, and, again, depending on, on how Pitt does, if he plays like that, they could find themselves as a bubble team too. So with that, that's going to end it for us. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to the busting back is podcast. Thank you, Michael, for joining us and talking about the ACC. Absolutely guys. I love coming on this podcast. Thanks for having me. So with that for Brian Ralph, I'm Connor hope, and we will see you next week. Bye.